Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. We're back with more of the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook pregame show on Sports Radio 670 The Score with Molly, Patrick Manley, and Anthony Heron. Brought to you by Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the Chicago Bears. Download the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook app today. Oh, yes, indeed. It is the pregame show. We're breaking it down. The Bears at Dallas, and we mentioned. Uh, a couple of uh, members of the 2021 draft class will be uh, against each other in this game, and that's that's not two quarterbacks playing. That's actually guys that will face each other. And, and we know Justin Fields, uh, the Bears traded up uh, nine spots, gave up uh, a first and um, a, what was it, a 164th overall pick and a first and fourth this year. So they gave up two number ones and uh, – and two other picks, that's four picks to move up nine spots and to draft Justin Fields. That's what teams do in drafts. Going for a quarterback, not unusual. So Fields is taken at 11. At 12, Micah Parsons goes. So the Bears technically would have had a chance. If you redrafted that draft, I mean, you know, here's the the problem is at the time it was really the Trevor Lawrence draft who was going to get a chance to take that player. But Micah Parsons – has begun his career at, on a Hall of Fame track. I mean, he was spectacular. And, um, you know, another weird irony, at number 20 in that draft, the Giants ended up taking Kadarius Tony. They traded him this week. So <laughs> kind of interesting. The Bears probably did the right thing getting out of that pick, I guess. I don't know. But um, if you redid that draft – Micah Parsons has been as good as any player in it, maybe the best player in it. Uh, Jamar Chase, awful good, but you know, a lot of good players out of that draft, but Parsons probably stands alone. Yeah, I was just looking at it as well, and I was kind of redrafting in my head um, and looking at Trevor Lord, Zach Wilson, and Trey Lance going first, second, and third. Yep. You know, if you're asking would you rather have Micah Parsons or Justin Fields or a, I'd say a franchise quarterback. I'd rather have a franchise quarterback, and I understand why now you know they, they draft quarterback, 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 one, two, three, and then you look below that, and you have some good players in Pitts and Jamar Chase and Waddle and, yes. and, and, and Parsons as well. And I would move Parsons right up there underneath those other quarterbacks, but I want a quarterback. This is a quarterback-driven league. That's what it's about. So I understand uh, why, they, why they drafted quarterbacks there, and I would say Michael Parsons right now is the best player in that draft. I, that's my opinion. I think he would be yeah. number one if you just said – uh, just on talent level and how they've played so far. But I need a quarterback. And if Justin Fields turns out to be the quote-unquote franchise quarterback, I would take that you know every time over Micah Parsons. He's a, a remarkable talent, is, is Micah Parsons. He plays in, in this game, well, he played, past tense, in a game I call every year for NBC called the All-American Bowl. 
And he a lot of his time in high school, he was almost strictly a defensive end. And then he got to Penn State. And because, like, even when I, I remember talking to him in, that week, we spent a full week in San Antonio's, all these different top players from around the country. Trevor Lawrence was in that game the same year that Micah Parsons was. Devontae Smith was in that game. Panay Sewell, a lot of the guys who, who were in that same 2021 NFL draft. They, they played in, in that game that we do in San Antonio. And talking to Micah Parsons leading into that game, he was excited about getting to go to Penn State and to maybe just get outside the, the defensive end box because he certainly would have been undersized for any kind of high-level defensive end or certainly a Big Ten defensive end. But really, he in college, he was injured a little bit. Then you had the COVID year, and he you know opted out during that. And then he was in the NFL draft. So you, you did have – there was some exceptional tape on Micah Parsons from early in his career, but he really hadn't played a lot of football – before getting to Dallas. And so there was some unknown. The, the physical traits were immense. There was kind of one full season that, that he played at Penn State where he just lit the world ablaze and then he opted out during the COVID year. And you know, so that was a part of his draft evaluation. But he was always one of these guys who, who played well at and around the line of scrimmage, but his physical dimensions never really convinced anyone that he could be a full-time defensive end. And he still isn't. He's this Swiss Army knife all around the front seven, even, even at times, you know, back in the secondary for some coverage responsibilities. But off either edge, three-point stance, two-point stance, back in the box, you name it, he can get that done. And his pass coverage skills are even improving as well. So, you know, up to this point, there's not another player who's been as consistently impactful as Micah Parsons, like you referenced, Jamar Chase, exceptional as well he's a receiver you got to wait on the football to come to you those types of things but but I I would say uh Micah Parsons even beyond Jamar Chase and and that crew as far as just who who's come out and really had a huge impact you know Panay Sewell as a as an offensive tackle it's been really good for the Lions but it's you know it's hard because the Lions are a bad team and he's an offensive tackle but he's he's been really good as well but there's from a pure productivity perspective and just all the different ways that Dan Quinn and that Cowboys defense can use him and that he just balls out in every phase that they put him in. Michael Parsons is a really rare breed. Guys, he's, so, he is so fun to watch. You know, when you, get, you know, I'm watching tape all week, you know, you look forward to seeing oh, how good is this guy, you know, because you see highlights on ESPN or Fox or whatever it's on. Watching this tape, it was amazing because every defensive snap, first you have to find him. Because you don't know where he is. So that takes an extra second. He might be, like you said, lined up as a linebacker, middle linebacker, right defensive end, left defensive end. He's all over the place. And then once the ball snapped, these Bears fans today, it's unfortunate he plays for the other team, but he is so entertaining to watch. I mean, the way he plays the game and how he is all over the field, he is unbelievable. And I'm looking forward to watching him play. I hope the Bears can neutralize him a little bit. But he's going to make his plays. But, man, is he entertaining and he is dynamic as can be. So, Justin Fields, I'm just going to read this to you. This is unbelievable to me. Justin Fields is 23, as is Micah Parsons. Justin Fields is listed at 6'3", 227. Uh, Micah Parsons, 6'3", 245. So, Justin Fields did not run at the combine, but he ran a 4-4-1 40-time on his pro day. Now, I talked to some people who were there – he didn't come out of the track really well. I mean, he didn't come out of the block really well. He ran a four-four-one without really having a perfect run. Mm-hmm. Micah Parsons ran a four-four-one at the combine, and then he doubled down on his pro day and ran a four-three-nine. He's six-three-two forty-five then, 
This is a guy, I mean, if you didn't see the play against Detroit, I feel sorry for you because you got a guy going to the end zone and there's this blur as this giant guy comes out of the pack and takes him down on the one-yard line. I mean, what the heck? It was kind of like watching yeah. Fields when he made that block earlier in the year. He didn't really make a block, <laughs> but you saw him just running past the guy looking for someone to block. That's how fast he is. The idea of these two guys, he claims he's faster than Justin Fields. He's having fun with it. But what? I mean, you it's just insane athleticism and speed. And Dallas has a really fast defense. He's faster cool. than most wide receivers. <laughs> you know, right. there, there's That's a lot right. of guys in the That's NFL right. that we assume run a 4-3 that really don't, that make a whole lot of plays. Like, I don't think CeeDee Lamb runs a 4-3. <laughs> I don't know that Jamar Chase runs a 4-3. When you can track time at a 4-3 in the 40, there, there's only a few wide receivers, running backs, defensive backs who can truly do that. So Micah Parsons is, is a rare, rare physical specimen, and that's where the, the, the chess match that we were discussing earlier is going to be key because ball handling will be part of that. But even the pre-snap identification, because you know Micah Parsons isn't the only guy. Like you don't necessarily want, you know, Demarcus Lawrence matched up one-on-one with a bunch of Bears offensive right. tackles throughout the day. Anyway, especially if Riley Reef is going to get whoever gets, you know. But let's assume it's Riley Reef gets his first start and first extended action of the season here. You don't you don't want Lawrence on an island with any of them. You don't want Armstrong on an island with any of them. But as far as who do you have to locate? Who's a dude you got to know where they are? Snap in and snap out. That's Micah Parsons, and so that's the the onus is on Justin Fields and Sam Mustafer and Luke Getze to make sure that the game plan leading into this thing, especially in, in critical downs and distances, third and medium, third and long, to make sure you know where number 11 is and how you're going to account for him. Won't be surprised one bit. You know, It'll be a challenge for Khalil Herbert. I've been reminding folks a lot with this discussion about Herbert versus Montgomery it's it's not even a good problem for the Bears at running back. It's a good situation that the, the Bears have two extremely productive running backs. But by comparison, David Montgomery, if anybody's going to be matched up with a Micah Parsons when they got a pass protect, that's not a situation I'm great. I, I feel great about seeing Khalil Herbert in. David Montgomery is a guy who has to be on the field in those moments. Yeah, it's, I want to go back to that play I was talking about, Micah Parsons, that he can get himself out of position. And then he's so fast, he gets himself back into position to make a play. And we talked Mm. about it earlier, the RPO. Jalen Hurts sucks him up right in the line of scrimmage, right behind him. The receiver's wide open, running across the field. He's able to turn around and get back and get his hand up to uh, tip the ball. That's stuff that kind of reminds me of a first ballot Hall of Famer of Brian Urlacher. Remember when he'd be walked up in the A-gap and then would be able to run all the way back and take the middle deep third and cover two? And there's things that just a lot of players can't do, and he is doing that all over the film, and he is fun to watch. And, yeah, you have to make sure you know where he is because, you know, he's dynamic. He's everywhere. So this game plan that Luke Getz, he's putting together, and this run game as well, where is he? How are you going to go against him? Are you going to read him? Are you just going to say, all right, we're going to let you pick the quarterback or the ball carrier? I don't know if you want to do that because he's so athletic. He can take both of them. So how do you want to do this? I've seen the some Eagles st- did that. Yes, That's what the Eagles I know. did. But, but they've he, got but, some significantly better players. I'm well, not being right. mean. I'm just saying I think when the tackle went out in that game, that's mm-hmm. when he just took over that game. But they ran right at him, yeah. and they were very aware. And you're right. They, there were a couple of plays where they left him unblocked because they knew they were going elsewhere, and they just let him get caught up in traffic. Yeah. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting game plan to see what they put together, especially being, you know, the way the Bears are talent-wise. So, this, you know, let's hope Luke Getzey puts together something like he did against the Patriots and can surprise him a little bit with some stuff.
when you reference the the effort that that a guy like Brian Erlacher plays with and his ability to cover space, cover ground, you think of on the back end like a Troy Polamalu who yeah. can be shown one thing, pre snap, and end up somewhere completely different. I remember it was a play where where Erlacher was was walked up into the A gap in kind of a mug look when I was I was with the Lions and we came here to play at Soldier Field and we had an athletic quarterback named Mike McMahon, a kid out of mm-hmm. I think it was Rutgers, yes. who was starting at QB. Mike McMahon could run. And Mike McMahon, you know, left the pocket, started running to the sideline, and you see all 6'5", 250-plus of Erlacher just hawking him down towards the sideline out in the open field. And it's like, this dude is, a, is, is as mammoth as any linebacker we've ever seen and can move like a gazelle. And Micah Parsons certainly isn't nearly as big as Erlacher, but when you're talking about that play where he's, you know, tight end's got a good 10 to 15-yard head start. Micah Parsons headed in the opposite direction. He plants, turns, and hawks down the Detroit Lions tight end before he gets, you know, maybe before he gets in the end zone. They certainly called him down outside the end zone. And where that effort matters and where you know that Dan Quinn and the entire Lions coaching staff ends up highlighting that, that maybe their best player, one of the best defenders in football, puts that kind of effort in on a play where a bunch of his teammates weren't able to get there. The Detroit Lions, on what would have been a go-ahead touchdown in the fourth quarter on the road, they fumble on the next play because of the effort of Micah Parsons keeping a touchdown off the board. The Lions fumble it back to Dallas, and now here come the Cowboys, and they're able to seize control of the game going out. So you got to know that as an offensive game planner, you have to figure out how do we account for that guy, that size, that athleticism, that tenacity, the effort he plays with. How do we find a way to use that against him? in key moments because you can only do so much against it when you have a, a guy with, with those just true God-given traits. And, and I think that to underscore the problem, you've got changes on the offensive line, right? Yep. So you've got – I just worry about the communication among the players when you have changes and when you have as many changes. Now – you know, Riley Reef's a veteran guy, but we don't know physically where he's at. But he's a, a prideful veteran guy that will try to get in the way and do what you have to do. And frankly, I, and I, I this is an indictment maybe I, I don't mean, but I'm not sure if you have replacement level guys starting on the offensive line and you replace them with replacement level guys, is that really <laughs> – I, I, and I'm not being mean. I'm just saying, is that that's a fact a, a real step down, or is it just the communication issue that could be the problem? I see. What, r- what's the war? What's the war <laughs> yeah, on that I, for, no, for, I, for I, a backup right tackle? I, I, I just mean there isn't I, weighted you know, the, touchdowns created I, I, plus for forget, for Larry Borum. I forget what year it was that the Bears had both safeties out, and you're like, oh my god, they've lost both their safeties, and the two guys behind them were pretty much the same player as the two guys that were starting anyway, so it didn't even matter. And and that's what I meant. I'm sorry for using a baseball term, but it's a it's a good term when you think about what you're looking for from a guy, right? Is he? You're right. How many wins against replacement is he? Yeah. All right. <laughs> the, the one thing, though, Riley Reef is a veteran, so I know that you know he's been. They've talked about he's been in there helping Braxton Jones, and 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 that's with coaching and communication and talking about calls and what to expect. So I think when he steps in there, he's going to be okay with that. And like you said, he's. I just don't know how healthy he is and how well he can play physically, but I'm I'm not I'm not, I'm not worried about him getting in there and, and busting a call or not having good communication with the, the right guards, Evan Jenkins or things like that. I think I think they'll be fine there. I think it just truly is about his health and and how rusty is he. 
Well, the last Hawkeye who got significant run early in the season, Amir Smith-Marset, mentally didn't seem as dialed in as the Bears were hoping. So my anticipation is that Riley Reef is going to hold things down mentally, if nothing else. Maybe physically, he's a little long in the tooth. Who knows how good those knees are at this point. But let's hope that, that my Hawkeye is going to have his responsibilities down when he touches the field. And also, guys, real quick, the, last week they had changes as well, right? They came in. I know they yeah. had 11 days of changes, but still, that's, that's one week of changes. And they played pretty darn well. That's what they rushed for, 243 yards. Yeah, um, we we got to get into the special teams at some point before the end, right? Oh, Not yeah. only the Bears return, but the Cowboys oh, return. Oh, yes, we do. Man. They, they yes, can be electrifying John Fossil is a great coach. Very, very good coach. Uh, I, I mean, I think what happened in that, in that uh, New England game is you saw the Bears play a very physical brand of football in all aspects, yes. right? The, the hits principle – uh, you know, whatever, <clears throat> excuse me, whatever you want to call it, it was everywhere, including yeah. special teams, some big blow-up hits. Some huge hits on, on special teams coverage for the Bears and, and where even in the return game where we'd seen Bayless Jones put it on the ground a couple of times before that, and we've been having that discussion for a few weeks, right? And I wasn't sure, like, all right, development of roster. They're going to stick with, uh, you know, Bayless Jones or whatever. They made the move, made the decision. Dante Pettis ends up winning that punt return job, and he put one on the ground, but also fielded a couple of difficult kicks. Yeah, I think did. folks might, might not appreciate that a short kick, especially in, in blustery, wet conditions, doesn't automatically mean it's easy to feel because you have to go up, track the ball, and, and then just be sure, be certain about it, and, and get it on the run. And Pettis did that a couple of times. I was impressed from a return perspective, but the coverage unit is going to be really tested today as well. Yeah, John, John Fossil, I have a lot of respect for him. I played against him a few times. He is an excellent special teams coach. He's very good at, at going after the special teams mullet, Anthony. He's very good at <laughs> scheming up rushes. He already has two blocked kicks this year. Um, he obviously, the returner, uh, Turpin, is excellent. 16 yards average in the punt return game. I think 24 and a half yards in, on the kickoff return. I think you can nullify the kickoff return because you're playing in Dallas. You can kick it deep enough. You, you're not going to get returns. But the punt return game – is scary to me. And then also John Fossil is great at dialing up some good fakes. So you've got mm. to be on your toes. So this is, this is going to be, to me, it's, it's, a, it's a win for Dallas already from what they have return-wise and what they have coach-wise. But I do have to give Coach Hightower and the Bears special teams some credit. They've been playing pretty yeah. darn well this year. Yeah, I, I, I mean, i got to tell you, I think the Bears, the Bears coached their rear ends off and winning that game yes. at New England. I, I think that was a, an apparent uh, fact based on uh, – everything we saw. The question now is they did it on a long week. Can they do it on a short week? That's one of the things we'll talk about uh, coming back. The difference between having extra days versus fewer days to prepare for an opponent. Apparently they did use one of those days uh, to work Dallas the the previous week, but we got to get into this. We'll talk about the changes in the coaching and how they can uh, address all these issues. We'll do that next. You're listening to the pregame show, and uh, you're listening to 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'd always work back and look at the time. You know, so where, where do you gain the time? You, you know, in these short weeks, long weeks, you always you still have the same amount of time, but sometimes you got to think ahead a little bit and put that time forward. You know, and, and it's it's important to do that. Uh, we've always done that since I've been in pro ball, you know, with who I was with first. It's important to do. It's the pregame show on the score. That's the voice of the head coach, Matt Eberflus, and he's talking about how you handle the – and I love the term mini-buy because obviously someone mentioned it to the players and pretty much every player said mini-buy after that, and that's always fun to get the message going through the team. Um it's interesting. They did devote a practice to it, so they did kind of stay on course, although it, it's obviously significantly different. Patrick, for you, the difference between a a, thir- a Sunday to a Thursday versus a, a Monday to a Sunday, is that pronounced? Is that the same thing? Is it easier, harder? What, what's, the, what's the setup? To me, the, the Thursday game was harder. Uh, especially if you had to travel, because you had to take the travel day and, and, and with that as well. So that was more difficult. But um, yeah, the 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 Monday to a Sunday wasn't too bad. But just yeah, the Thursday game was difficult. Your body just felt odd. Obviously, I was only a long snapper, not beat up like everybody else. But it did feel weird to be out there on a Thursday night playing a game after having you know hardly any practice, more walkthroughs, and more just trying to get yourself ready. But one point I want to talk about that coach was talking about. I remember talking to Chris Tabor when he was assistant under uh, Dave Tobe. When yep. we would have a Monday night game, he would use, Chris Tabor, the assistant, would use Sunday and Monday to prep for the next game. So his mind was almost off of the Monday night game until, uh, until Monday night because he's trying to help Coach Tobe get ahead as well and get tape, get tape done, players broken down and things like that. I remember there were times I would go to Tabor and say, hey, what, this scheme against so-and-so, he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I just got done watching our next game next week. Give me a second. I'll be ready for game time, and I'll get you the answer to that. But go ask Tobe right now because he's not on to the next team. I'm trying to help the team get ahead. And I know a lot of coaches did that, um, and I I think that's That's what uh, the coach is talking about, that they use the assistants to kind of get ahead, and that's a smart way to go about it. When you have a a Monday into a Sunday, you essentially eliminate the off day. You know, we're just kind of traditionally Tuesday is the the off day where guys can – step away physically, mentally, and then kind of come back in ready to truly begin the work week on Wednesday. And so in, in this frame where you, you played on a Monday and now you're getting ready for a Sunday game, you basically eliminate the off day, but you're just coming off of an extended off time where you did have some opportunity to work ahead here. And so, you know, the injury report is still it's not as good as it was where it was 
you know, no one on the injury report going into that New England game, but you don't normally see that at this time of year anyway. I think the the Bears have taken advantage of that as well as you could just from a planning perspective. It's one of those things where Matt Eberflus isn't – he's certainly not reinventing the wheel and taking things over, but but you can tell that the results are there not only just just because he's been around the block a bit, but you can tell that that he's – that the players are – I guess for lack of a better term, buying into his message and there's a consistency to his message. They, they, they've been able to tell from jump what a well-thought-out guy he is, what a planner he is, and how consistent the implementation of that plan has been. And I was wondering even a little bit, I, I think I mentioned this to you guys a couple of weeks back here, whether or not the, the basically the overall mes- message of patience even from Ryan Poles from the top and how much of that is being communicated and kind of trickled down through Matt Eberflus, perhaps two key players even in, in that regard. But it does seem that the approach the Bears are taking, that there is a plan that feels like it's in place for everything, for every scenario, and even in how we're dealing with injuries and, and when we expect certain guys to maybe see see some additional tick and, and when they don't. And when the players at least feel that, it doesn't mean they're going to like it. It doesn't mean you're not going to be emotional about certain situations. But to know that there's a legitimate plan, a plan with foundation to it that, that you can feel confident in and you're starting to see some results from it too, then all those things matter. So, you know, in the end, maybe, you you know, certain situations, maybe you gripe a little bit about not having a true off day because the week is a little bit shorter. But especially where you just had some tangible results mm-hmm. on the field coming off your best game of the season, best game so far of this regime. And now you step into that next week and you say, you know what? Who needs an off day, man? We're, we're <laughs> building on this thing. We, we got a leader with this plan in place that's really starting to bear fruit. And so I think that the players can really kind of get on board with that more more readily because you're seeing results. Yeah, there's no doubt. And one thing I just thought about, too, when you did have a Thursday night game and a Monday night game, the day after that you always lost kind of the breakdown of the previous game because you had to jump ahead to the next right. opponent because you lost that yeah. day. So that hurt you a little bit in development. You've got to find time to maybe um, – grab a player that needs a little bit more coaching from that previous game. You don't get that, you know, two hours, three hour breakdown of your positional group, you know, that day you're, you're coming in, they might have five or six, seven plays or big plays you need to correct and make sure you get right. And then you're moving on to Dallas. You're moving on to the next opponent. You're not worried about the previous team. I I think that's a great point that Patrick makes there, Molly too, because you know, handling success and and what that may mean. I know that, you know, the media was asking Matt Eberflus about that a little bit this week, but the fact that you are, in the midst of a short week, and your team knows. They feel like they didn't handle the last short week very well anyway, so maybe they should be that much more attentive to this game on this short week. But also the fact that if you're not sitting around with everybody kind of patting each other on the back in the team meeting room because you're showing all the highlights that this team had, that squad had, that position group had in the game against New England, then it does, you know, I guess decrease, diminish, whatever sort of, you know, effects of erosion there can be from within the building if everybody's just thinking all right we got this thing figured out man we just blew out bill belichick and the patriots on the road this franchise has never done that before you're not adding to you know what what nick saban right. re- referred to as rat poison because you know what we've moved on from that man it, if you're seeing anything you're seeing a few mistakes that happen in that game that we got to get better at for the next time we step on the field yeah and, and uh, you know again i i, I think that Iberflus was asked, he had a great reaction to the question, but he was asked about Justin Fields' ball handling. And, and, you know, it was a wet day, 
And the guy dropped the ball four times. He, mm-hmm. he fumbled four times. He didn't lose them, but he did fumble, and he's got a lot of fumbles. If you look at the statistics for the year, and he said the ball is the ball, and that's the most important thing. It's you know it is in the hits principle. The ball is the, the ball, and it's the most important thing. I love that cut. That Don't should be go. a T-shirt. That, I want to put a bumper That's Coach sticker. Speak 101 right that there, man. That is so good. That is so, coach. so unbelievable, Coach Speak. It's awesome. But it's true. And and the takeaway portion, the Bears don't win that game if they don't have the takeaways they had. And they and they dominated uh, that statistic. Uh, I believe it was 4-1. to one. They were plus 3 in takeover margin, which is yeah, it's going to be hard to lose a game when you're plus three and takeover margin. It's a really important statistic, and that's why it's in his hits principle. But that is something they do have to worry about, and I know it was a wet day, and I know they're playing indoors, but I'm sure someone said something about that to the quarterback. Yeah, and it would be interesting. I got the stats here. The Cowboys are plus six, which is two second in the NFL in turnover yep. margin. The Bears are plus one, which is 15. You know the Bears have got a lot of takeaways, but you're right they 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 do turn the ball over a fair amount on offense. But yeah, Justin Fields needs to hold on to that ball more. That that definitely needs to be done. Last week the Bears got lucky that Mac Jones had the the ball handling mishap with the wide receiver and that little jet sweep thing. So yeah, uh, they recovered that one, which was helpful, obviously. But yeah, they, that that to me, if that's this the way we played with Lovey Smith, it was win the turnover battle, win the turnover battle, and we'll win the game. And that that needs to be. Continue to be harped. I'm a firm believer in that, and stats show that. If you win the turnover battle, you're going to win the game, but they really need to learn to not turn the ball over. I don't know what Justin Fields is doing to keep recovering the ball. He's a lucky man. I lucky him. He sold his, <laughs> sold, his, uh, sold his to somebody, and I don't know what he's done, but uh, he just needs to stop doing that because it's, it's going to catch up to him and bite him. It's one of those things that just the, the mechanics of ball security in the pocket for a quarterback where he's got to continue refining that. It's one thing where – you know, once you've decided as a QB that you're now going to become a ball carrier and you begin to transition it from kind of the, the passing mechanics, the passing temperament where the ball is more up near your ear, above the shoulders, to where you're starting to tuck it away. Sometimes you get some of these great pass rushers who are just coming in in that moment where you're starting to transition from passing mechanics to running mechanics where maybe you knock it away in that moment. That's There's been a few of those with Justin Fields, but some of it is just the ball security within the pocket. It's one of those things that Jay Cutler never improved at in his time here in Chicago just how do you protect the football with two hands around it in the pocket until you've actually decided for sure that you're going to become a runner or even while you're climbing the pocket don't have it around your hip because that's where it's easier for the pass rushers to get to it those are some of the elements of just ball security that Justin Fields will need to continue refining because when he's starting to run and he's still got it around his hips and his eyes are down the field you do want to get it where you know no one's ever going to confuse Peyton Manning with being a running quarterback, but those mechanics, there's a reason you didn't see Peyton Manning fumbling the football a lot because he was almost robotic within the mechanics of how you protect the right. football, how you have both hands around it, how you tuck it away. And it's uh, one of those things where as a young quarterback, with all these different things that Justin Fields is trying to continue to improve his skills at, that's one thing that, that I would imagine Luke Getze is harping on that we'll need to continue to see, continue to see him refining and improving. And I think it's just one example of, of a number of examples from the game Monday night where, unsurprisingly, the reaction afterwards was that Justin Fields had suddenly turned into this superhero when he hadn't. Justin Fields' performance against New England, you had the, the element of the called run. There, there was more of those. It's not like the Bears had never called a QB run before. There was more of those against the Patriots. Justin Fields 
threw the ball effectively but imperfectly just like he did against the games I've been talking about against New York and then grew on that against Minnesota yep. and even yep. a game against Washington where the offense wasn't great but they sustained drives and there were some big passes and big moments in that game so he's just stacking the the aggregation of marginal gains the difference was guys caught the ball the defense got stops so it was beyond Justin Fields for the overall team performance but there's still there's so, leaps and bounds for him to continue to grow with they, they- they converted third downs, and yes. some of them by yeah. Justin Fields on the, on those called runs you talk about. I, I, and that was the difference to me. It wasn't that they – I mean, they managed to score in the red zone. God bless them. Right. But they, they, they kicked a lot of field goals in that game. And by the way, boy, did they take that guy for granted. 50 yards, boom, see ya, that's fine. It's extraordinary, that guy. Um, but they, they, they really ultimately um, – just converted third downs, held the ball, did all those types of things. If you can do that, then that's your whole complimentary football idea. Yeah, just l- limit the negative plays, no pre-snap yeah. penalties and things like that. And to go back to Justin Fields turning the ball over, one thing that can really help that, and it's kind of simple, better pass blocking. So he doesn't have all the pressure on him. So the O-line can help that as well. And maybe in the future, not, be, not that this year, but maybe in the future if they solidify <laughs> that O-line, that's going to help him a lot too. Get some players that aren't replacement level, I think is what you're trying to say. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> a lot of upgrades. Take, get some guys that take a lot of walks. I don't know. Um, what? Okay. We're having some fun here on the pregame show. We got Mark Grody is going to join us next, and we'll, uh, we'll find out who's in and who's out. It is the pregame show on Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 of the score. We're back with more of the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook pregame show on Sports Radio 670 The Score with Mully, Patrick Manley, and Anthony Heron. Brought to you by Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the Chicago Bears. Download the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook app today. Yes, indeed, it is the pregame show, and what a glorious time in it we get to talk to our. Uh, our dear friend and uh, Signlight Rover, he is, of course, Mark Rohde, and he joins us on the Score Hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Grody time, Mark. Good morning, sir. gentlemen. Good morning. I am. Uh, I am pumped up today because I love a good old fashioned Sunday noon game, and we all love the prime times. But it's been a, it's been a little while, man. It's been since uh, October 9th against Minnesota that the Bears had a plain old noon game, and it's going to go down in Dallas in about an hour and fifteen minutes from right now. Hey, Mark, you were at Hallis Hall all week after that big win over the Patriots. Did it feel different there for practice and meetings and things like that? Not really. I mean, I was looking for it, mm-hmm. but not really because I think that they, by the time, it's because of the weird week, honestly, Patrick, because they they beat New England and then the players essentially were not, there was no open locker room until Thursday of the week and they had some light work and they didn't even have an earnest practice until Thursday. 
So it was real. But I think by the time that we got around all the players, they had abided by the 24-hour rule, and it did feel like business as usual for the Bears. And I think that they understand what a big and unexpected victory it was. But then you wake up and you realize that the next game today against Dallas is probably going to be a much bigger challenge for the team. We were talking a little bit earlier about Robert Quinn and what that transaction obviously meant to the Bears' locker room and the the emotion that Roquan Smith displayed when he tried to address it at the podium. What was your sense just being around it in person? Just the, you know, you lose a guy who obviously wasn't nearly as productive so far this season as what we saw from Robert Quinn last year. But one of the key figures, not not only, you know, he had had the forced fumble the other night on Monday Night Football because of the way he flew up the field. It was a very active game for him and now his presence not only on the field but but off the field is gone absolutely and I'll, I'll start with the the on the field stuff and I know he hasn't had a productive year this year but the Bears are a better defense when Robert Quinn is on the field he still has been getting a lot of attention from teams and he's the kind of guy who was probably due for a two or three sack game and you knew something like that was coming from my angle watching Robert Quinn it's not like he's lost a step or anything but he has not been, he had not been as good at getting to the quarterback this week and yeah the, the whole thing was crazy I mean I was there for that whole day at Hallis Hall f- sitting in the interview room while Roquan Smith was up there all of the reporters including myself were sitting there all of our phones are going crazy because of the trade finally somebody asks Roquan Smith about it and then he gets very emotional about it as a matter of fact we did not see Roquan Smith the rest of least I didn't in the locker room after that so I don't think he really cared to talk about it and and, and get emotional further or maybe even frustrated sometimes players don't make themselves available because they're afraid of what they might say but I will say this about some of the younger players in the locker room and having heard that i mean dominique robinson the the fifth rounder out of miami of ohio who has had some moments this year but at other times has looked lost has been told hey it, this is your time this is your time to step up and guess what robinson what a mature attitude he had about it. i had a little talk with him by his locker the other day and you know his attitude was i loved robert quinn robert quinn was great he was my guy but this isn't it's my turn now you know it's a little bit that's this is the way the nfl works you know the guys move on and especially on a team like this where the bears are about developing and rebuilding and all of that and you know in, in, as the, the rough draft blueprint, as I like to say, right now includes Dominique Robinson. I don't know if it will down the road, but this is a guy that they want to develop and they want to see more out of. Um, same thing with Travis Gibson. I don't know how much they like him, uh, but and he doesn't strike me as a guy who's ever going to be like a double-digit sack threat year to year or be a pro bowler, but it's time to see what you got, and maybe we hear El Qadim Muhammad's name mentioned a little bit more as well. So I, as, cra- as emotional as it was, it was a healthy move that the Bears made. Hey, Mark, real quick, talking about Dominic Robinson, he plays that right defensive end. He was kind of Quinn's backup Travis Gibson's been playing the left defensive end. Who's going to step in as the starter on that rotation? It's a great question. It's a great question. I would not be surprised if it was Dominique Robinson okay. just just to just to begin with. And obviously, wow. if he can't handle the load, then we shall see. But hey, guys, I mean, they have they have not hesitated. 
with throwing rookies into the fire this year. It's a little bit easier with your with your higher caliber rookies like it, it, like Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon. But hey, throw Braxton Jones in there. They tried to throw Valus Jones in there. So whether it works or not, who knows? But it it would seem to fit in with everything else that they have done to start Dominique Robinson today. But we'll see. He's Mark Grody. He's going to be uh, always, always giving us Bears information. He loves to roam the sidelines and talk to people. I know you got emotional um, over, over this trade, and not because you love Robert Quinn, although you do, but the general manager actually came out and talked to the media not once but twice in like a three-day period. I think Ryan Pace may have spoken twice one of his seven years when uh, when he was there, were you a little uh, uh, verklempt when you saw him come out again and talk to you, <laughs> Molly? I had spilkis in my connectigazoink. I was so <laughs> overwhelmed. You know, honestly, true true story. When he came down, and at this point, it's late in the day. I had just I had just been on the air on the afternoon show, and literally, I was told I was tapped on the shoulder. Hey. You know, Ryan Poles is coming in, so I kind of sh- shut the the interview down with those guys. Go into the interview room, and there's you know, there's not a ton of us left at this point because it's the, the old long day at Hallis Hall. You staying? Yeah, I'm staying. And Poles comes in and get you know, getting ready up at the lectern, and I, I looked at him. I don't think I've ever said this to any GM or coach. I, I said, Ryan, thanks for coming down, man. <laughs> and, he, and he looked at me. Like, yeah, sure, no problem. Because it's so unexpected. Just like you're saying, Molly, like every single year, there were so many opportunities for Ryan Pace to come down, and he was always in hiding. And to to have Ryan Poles at every turn when there's a controversy, like the Roquan Smith mess from the preseason, when Roquan Smith put out that crazy, or it wasn't crazy, crazy is not the right word, that very thorough letter via the NFL network where he's going through the history of the team polls like I gotta get I gotta talk to the media I gotta say something then Robert Quinn gets traded and it's like you guys said it's like emotionally draining probably more than anything and so polls felt the need to come down so again like like anybody that asks I, I have no idea if Ryan polls is a good GM yet I don't know if Matt Eberflus is a good head coach yet but they've done more things right than wrong so far there certainly appears to be a plan in place, and there's this kind of methodical approach to the way that that plan is being implemented. They, they seem to be sticking to it as evidenced by, you know, we were just talking about the, the Robert Quinn trade here a moment ago. They're not overreacting to the, the joy, the jubilation of the Monday Night Football dominance and saying, all right, here's our chance to make a push for the postseason. They're saying, you know what? No, we, we came into this season with a plan. We're sticking to it. Mm-hmm. We're acquiring assets when the opportunity presents itself i'm wondering gross do you get a sense for for how much of the plan because it's one thing for the front office to know how they want to operate and not necessarily putting deep resources into the roster but every player that steps onto the field is going to going to be at his best and do what he can to win every game do you have a sense for how much of what appears to be this plan of patience and development has Mm -hmm. been communicated from ryan poles down through the rest of the organization I, for, first of all, I, I do. I am very interested to see what would happen if the Bears won this game today. How we we would all react, and I, I put that on myself too because that might send us into a 
a different direction. I'm not saying that oh, all of a sudden the Bears are going to the playoffs and everything is different and scrap the plan, but I do think it would be interesting if the Bears beat Dallas today. As far as Ryan Poles' communication with the players on his plan, I don't think that that's something that he necessarily shares with them. I mean, he, he wants to put these guys in a position to to sprout and to develop and to be really good and he wants to he wants his team to win. I mean, he's not trying to put losers out there. So I think that that's always a very sensitive thing. And I think that's part of why like if you go back to the beginning of the season, you know, Ryan Poles came very close to using the word rebuild, but he wouldn't. And from what <laughs> I remember, from what I remember him saying, he said that that's like when you say stuff like that that's not very sensitive to the player. I mean, players can't come in. To, nobody's going to buy in to a team that expresses that they're rebuilding. So that could be Ryan Poles' plan. We know it with the actions that he has taken for sure. It's obvious with the roster. It's obvious with the things that he's done, and even more obvious with the things that he hasn't done this season in terms of the things that we're still talking about, and that, that is having extra weapons on offense, a rickety offensive line, which now has real excuses because they've got three starters out their inability this year to to stop the run i mean there's been all sorts of issues with this team so it's obvious to see that they that this team is not heavily invested in but that that message has to be kept separate from the players thank you very much mark have a great game you guys too talk to you soon that sounds great that's our guy mark grody um interesting stuff all the way around I, i think when we come back uh, we should talk about what that means with this being the last game before the trade deadline. You know, I, I would suspect they're done, but that's just a suspicion. I don't know that uh, that, that is reality, but we need to kind of kick that over. It, what if they actually win the game? Do they now start going out and getting guys? Just, just kidding. DJ All right, we'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll be right back here on the pregame show It is uh, 670, the score. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.